you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. I'd like to invite you to join me in your Bible or turn on your Bible in Luke chapter 19. We'll also have the big Bible on the screens open in just a moment. That word paradox, just want you to think about it for a minute. Paradox, perhaps a definition will help us. A paradox is a statement that seems to, on the surface, oppose it, oppose it, but then underneath the surface, there seems to be some underlining truth. For example, the only constant is change. Right? Kind of get it? The only thing that ever remains the same is, is change. Things are constantly changing. I'll offer you another one. The only certainty is uncertainty. Right? The only thing you can be sure of is that things are uncertain around us. <laughs> How about this? Uh, social media disconnects us from one another. Right? It's a, it's a paradox. On the surface, it seems like, wait a second, we're more connected than ever. But studies show us we're more lonely and disconnected than ever. Or if you ever go into a restaurant, right, and it's got a, a stellar menu with lots and lots and lots of choices, right? How about this paradox? The more choices we have, the harder it is to choose, right? You understand? It's, it's, it's a paradox. And this week, the Easter week, it's filled with, with paradox. This Friday, we call it what? Good Friday. Is that not a paradox? Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem to be good, right? Because Jesus is tortured. Jesus is brutally hung on a, on a cross and crucifixion. But we know under the surface, right? Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. We all are forgiven of our sins. It's a, it's a paradox. Now, not to be confused with a contradiction. A contradiction is different than a paradox. For example, Easter eggs and Easter bunnies. It's a contradiction. Ain't no truth. Eggs, bunnies, doesn't make any sense at all. That's a, that's a contradiction. Good Friday is, is a paradox. And the video we just saw might be the ultimate paradox. That the king of kings, that the creator of the universe, the one who's large and in charge, the one who we will worship and declare he is alive and risen, he comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Check out Luke chapter 19. Look at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's not there yet. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, where he'll go and pray with his disciples later. He says to two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt. It's a foal, it's a donkey, tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Now, mark this in your mind, what he says. The Lord needs it. We'll come back to that later. But do you see the paradox? The one who is stewarding it, the, the one who is managing this 
donkey is being asked by the one who created it, I need it. It's a paradox. Do you see it? It's a par- it's, it's, it's a par- Easter is filled. The Christian life is filled with these, these paradoxes. Notice verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found just as he had told them. As they were untying it, feel the emotions, right? Jesus sends you in. You don't know right now who's the owner, right? You just see that it's a, it's a donkey. You're going to untie it because you're just following Jesus. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked him, wait, why are you untying the colt? Now the reply is important, and we'll get to it later. But notice, they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put on Jesus on, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. In Matthew and Mark and in John, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the, in the highest. Maybe you've seen images on a TV movie of Palm Sunday where they're laying down the, the palm branches and, and Jesus is coming in as the king. Notice what happens in verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, to Jesus. Again, notice the title. It's important. It's significant. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. <laughs> I tell you, look at this paradox. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So when someone criticizes you for praising God, what we just did a few moments ago when we gathered with Team Blanco and we praised God for what he did, I, I'm just telling you, if we didn't praise God, if Team Blanco doesn't praise God, I'm telling you, someone, those chairs are going to praise God because God's presence always brings praise. Always. And there'll always be people upset with you for being a little too emotional, excited, and praising God. And then notice what is said next. Again, another paradox. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He's not in the garden yet where he's praying when the pressure was on him that his capillaries begin to break and he sweats drops of blood. He's not there yet. He's not on the cross and the pain of the crucifixion is causing him to cry. The people are shouting And Jesus is weeping. Because they're celebrating the wrong thing. Have you noticed that as a culture, as a society? We have a tendency to celebrate what's impressive and we miss what's important. We put all this emphasis and all these things that we can see and touch and feel and what people think about us and who's got more of this and more of that and we get all hung up on what's impressive. And Jesus watches them because they're, they're like, okay, finally, he's coming into town. He's going to push the bad Romans away from us, and we're going to have life just as we always wanted it to be. This moment for the Israel people, the Jewish people, they've been anticipating it for hundreds of years. See, in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, the first mention that the Messiah, Yeshua, Yeshua would come into Jerusalem on a donkey, That was hundreds of years earlier. 
And now they're thinking, oh, maybe the Old Testament, they would have grown up hearing their moms and dads talk about Zechariah and this promise and this, this prophecy. And, the, and, the, and they're, 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 they're anxious. They're, they're, they're excited. Understand this. The kingdom of heaven, it doesn't come all at once. They're expecting Jesus to come in and to change it, change those Romans, change their circumstances, change all the injustices. It never dawned on them that Jesus was came, coming to change them. Jesus is coming to change me, you, us. You, you, you see, don't expect progress to come all at once. We, we, we want to start with a prayer. We want to serve God. We want to say something. We want to do something. And then we want God to show up immediately and, and, and say, oh, yeah, it's coming. See, God's working on you. God's working on me. Don't expect proof to accompany every step of faith along the way. But let me tell you what you can't expect. Jesus brings peace. Your circumstances might not change. The government, the economy, your, your marriage, your spouse, your health, all the things that we want God to change it. You can know this, that God has promised through his son Jesus to give you peace. Whether or not you get a word from the doctor that says you only have 18 months or you get a word from the doctor that says go live the rest of your life, Jesus brings peace. Think about it. It's a donkey that's never been ridden. And they place Jesus on this donkey. The donkey could be thinking to himself, this is unfair. This is an unfamiliar situation. Ah, this, is it. this is unjust. They're taking me away from my mom. The weight of Jesus being uncomfortable. The, the noise of the crowd. This donkey, you would expect it to be going crazy, wild. But this donkey, under the weight of Jesus, walks calmly and peacefully into Jerusalem. I, I, I wonder what in our life do we need to let the weight of Jesus sit on us what's unfair what's what's uncomfortable what's unjust the fear of now maybe it's the the anxiety of the future the the guilt of the past let jesus ride on what's unfamiliar it's unjust see the peace that jesus brings only comes when you give him the place of honor and the position of control the donkey experienced peace because Jesus was placed in a position of honor and control. The Bible speaks to this in John 14. Peace, Jesus says, I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There are circumstances, there are situations. It's unfair, it's unjust. There are wrong, terrible, no good things that happen in this world. But, but, but be of good cheer. Notice John chapter 16. I've told you these things so that in me, not in the government, not in your spouse, not in your economy, not in the kids, but in Jesus, you will have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. You'll have problems. You'll have pressures. But be of good cheer. Jesus says, I have overcome. Then the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, don't be anxious. Boy, that's so hard. So easy for me to stand this morning and say, don't be anxious about anything. But boy, when that circumstance comes in your life that's out of control that you can't fix, 
but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding God gives to us but here's the condition notice Isaiah the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years earlier says this you that's God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on cable news You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on all things political, all things economical. The promise is perfect peace comes when our minds are steadfast. That word steadfast means to fasten instead of to screw yourself, to steadfast, to place yourself on the promises, the truth of God and not be removed. When you make this decision, he promises peace. If you give him the place of authority and the position of control, the promise of peace is given. Maybe that's a decision we need to make today. Maybe the reason that peace seems to be on the sidelines of your life. In, in a week that's marked by chaos. In a week when the believers and followers of Jesus on this day are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Think about the paradox. When they thought, when Christians thought they were getting their way. When Christians thought, hey, Jesus is going to do it how I like him to do it. He's going to do it the way I want him to do it. You're the man. Peace, Hosanna, I love you, I love me some Jesus. But then Monday came, and oh, wait a second, I thought he was going to be like this. And Tuesday came, and well, I thought it kind of be like that. And by Wednesday, he wasn't answering and doing exactly what you wanted him to do. We moved from Hosanna to crucify him. Take him out. Silence his voice. Kill him. In perhaps the galaxy's greatest betrayal, we celebrate life's greatest moment. You and me can have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a paradox. Do you see it? So the question we got to ask this morning is, okay, who is this Jesus to me? Jesus is, and then you fill in the blanks. Jesus is a part of my life. Jesus is the owner of my life. Now the answer to that question will guide everything else in your life. You see, we go back to the story and Jesus says, you'll find a colt, you'll find a donkey, go and untie it and if the owner says that someone needs it, say to the owner who needs it. Do you remember? The Lord needs it. That's altogether different than teacher. Remember when Jesus is coming in and the weight of Jesus is on that donkey, the Pharisees, the religious people, people who dotted their religious eyes and crossed their spiritual T's, people who wanted God to be a part of their life, not be the owner of their life, they said, not Lord, they said, teacher. And I'm telling you right now, your experience in Jesus is wrapped up in, is he Lord? Jesus is Lord or Jesus is teacher? Jesus is a part of my life or Jesus is the owner of my life this man who owned the donkey his mindset was that of a 
owner mindset. Now here's the question this morning. How do we do this? I think for most of us, we want Jesus to own our life. We want Jesus to be the center. We want Jesus to be the point of our life. But we often feel trapped. Because like, we're, we're, we're Americans, and we got, like, like we got a, our education, and we got our careers, and we got our family, and we got our hobbies, and we've got social media, and we got all this stuff, right? I know there's some Jesus too, but I want to get married one day. I, mean, I got all this stuff, and we're like, ah, how, how do we make all these good things fall under the ultimate Jesus? Here's the good news. God knew we would struggle with this, and so he gave us the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, if he was an American, you would hold him in high regard. High regard as an entrepreneur. He was incredibly successful. Hold him in a, in a high regard as an academic. He, 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 in our language, he would have had the equivalent of a PhD. You would have said he is a, he's a masterful politician. He had incredible influence in the culture. Paul had a resume and a bio. I'm just telling you, he was successful at a whole nother level. He pursued academics. He pursued economics. He pursued politics. He, he, he was into all of that. And he wrestled, how do I embrace all of these things that seem to be so good? Watch this. These things that are so impressive, how do I move beyond what's impressive and embrace what's important? There's a lot of us because we're so consumed in what's impressive. Because what's impressive gets complimented. We work on what's impressive and we miss what's important. We, we, we work on everything that people can see and we miss what's going on below the waterline. Oh, 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 your sails of the boat of your life are colorful. And, and the deck, it is polished. And people from a distance say, wow, look at, the, look at their life. Look at the sailboat of their life. It is so beautiful. What they don't see is the keel. The keel is the weight below the waterline. Because in the safety of the harbor, oh, your impressive sails will receive compliments. But when you set out into the open ocean, and the winds begin to blow, and there's no weight of character below the waterline. There's no weight of God's presence and God's authority in your life. When that storm comes, all is lost. So how do we? How did the Apostle Paul? <laughs> well, Philippians chapter 3 on the big Bible. Look what it says. But whatever, Paul says, but whatever. We're talking about his stuff, his success, his education, his status. He says, but whatever were gains to me, my job, my 401k, my, 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 my house, my family, everything, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What was impressive, I exchanged what was impressive so I could gain what is important. What is more, I consider everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through Christ in faith, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, Church of Hope, watching online wherever in the world that you might, might be, I do not consider myself of yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? I've given up. I have died to what's impressive so I could gain what's important. There's nothing greater this week, this Easter week, for you to wrestle with this. Have I built my life on what's impressive or am I building my life on what's important? Christ. It's so easy for us, particularly in the church world, we get so excited about the gifts, the gifts of a music team, the gifts of the auditorium, the gifts of a pastor, all these things. We celebrate the wrong things. It's about godliness. It's about Jesus Christ having supremacy in our lives. It's about him being willing to say, listen, you take all that I have. You take all that I own. It belongs to you anyways. Whatever the Lord wants, I want you, Jesus. I want the weight of Jesus to be on me. Paul says, I have given up. I have died to what's impressive that I might gain what's important. I wonder what you need to give up. All that stuff, all those people you're trying to impress on social media. I, I get this. As a pastor, it is, it is the disease of being a pastor. I'm 55, and I'm still trying to find some healing, Jose, in the freedom of being impressive as a pastor. You're kind of just caught in this space, right? Because if you, if you preach a little bit better, more people will come. If you got the right kind of music, right, or, or this or that, and we measure, we measure things about how many people come on a Sunday. We measure on, on, on how big are our buildings. We, we measure on how, how many followers that you don't know from Adam follow you on social media. And we watch our city be overrun by opioids. We watch boys and girls in our city be sexually violated by adults. We, we, we watch families bust and break up at the percentage, the same percentage in the world as in the church. I'm telling you, at some point, we've got to make a decision this Easter. Will we die to what's impressive so that we can have, so that we can gain what is important? The weight of Jesus riding on me. The weight of Jesus' purpose riding on my life into all the places and all the relationships that I'll have along the way. What's most important is very rarely what's impressive. And this is so hard. It's so hard for us because this, it feeds our ego. When people are impressed by me, happy with me, like me, 
compliment me, it feeds my ego. And you know what ego is? Edging God out. And Jesus comes in on that donkey. And it's the paradox of all paradox. And Jesus weeps because they're celebrating the wrong thing. They thought that, okay, we're going to get what we want. We're, 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 he's going to change it. He's going to change those Romans. We're, we're going to get him how we want him to be. And they missed that Jesus was coming not to change it, but to change them. So if you let me, I'd like to give you two questions to send you out on this Easter week. Two questions to talk about as a family. Two questions to wrestle with in your, your small group. Paul gave, up, Paul gave up what was impressive to gain what's important. And so how do we, how, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we move beyond just the, the Christian cliches? God is good. All the time, God is good. And that is a truthful statement. But listen, when the pressure's really on, when you're not sure, how do I move forward? When grief has you deep and low, when the trauma of life has you barely holding on. These two questions will begin to build some stability in the keel of your life. Here's the first question. Do you celebrate what Jesus is riding on or Jesus? I think a lot of us celebrate what Jesus is riding on. Riding on this kind of denomination. Riding on this pastor's style. Riding on this kind of music. We, we, we like Jesus our way. We, we, we want to shape Jesus into the form and the fashion that we desire. We want him to show up when we want him to show up. We want him to be quiet when we want him to be quiet. The question is, do you celebrate what Jesus is riding on or do you celebrate that Jesus is riding in your life? Let me let, let, me let you on something. When he rides in your life, it's going to be messy. When, when he rides in your life, it's going to be confusing. Hey, watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. This might help you. The closer Jesus got to the cross, the more confused his disciples became. See, you, 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 thought, you, thought, you, you thought the Christian life was all about figuring it out. <laughs> the Christian life is all about inviting him in. You, you, you thought the Christian life was all about, okay, I, I got to do this, and I got to own that, and, and I got to arrive here, and I got to strive for that. And we've missed what's important. That Jesus is looking for where he can settle his weight. The weight of his presence. The weight of his promises which always brings the peace that we want. Sometimes the closer you get to God, sometimes the more you walk in his ways, the more questions you'll have. I I'm telling you, at 55, I started pastoring in 1989. At 55 today, I have a lot of questions.
there's so much that I do not understand. Because I've been with some of you. We celebrate what God did, Jose, in your life. But as you lean into this space and you begin being mentored and being a pastor, one of the hardest things you'll ever understand, Jose, is that in the Blanco family, God showed up and they're happy. But then I get called to this family and I go to their kitchen table and we don't ring a bell. They bought a coffin. And see, when you begin to wrestle with and you begin to celebrate not what Jesus is writing on, when it's what Jesus is writing on, the form and the function, you throw your hands up in the air and it's not fair and look what God did here and he didn't do this for me and I'm out of here. But when you invite and you celebrate that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is walking into your life, you might not understand everything because his ways are higher than your ways. You might not know everything because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, but all you need to know is the weight of Jesus will bring you peace. I'm telling you, that, gives hope and life. Do you celebrate Jesus what he's writing in and on? Let me give you a second, second question to walk out the door with this morning is this. This might be really personal. But this morning, what do you need to untie for Jesus? Some of, us, some of us have some things tied up because he's really just teacher. He's the big guy up in the sky. He's added to your life. But when you begin to pivot and say this morning, I'm gonna make Jesus Lord, curios, basic, he owns it all. He's overall. He is Lord. He is the owner. I just want, listen, I just want to be a donkey. I just want to be the person in life that the presence of Jesus sits on. I just want to live the rest of my days. I want to be untied from all the bitterness. I want to be untied from the prejudice. I want to be untied from unforgiveness. I want to be untied from bias. I want to be untied from my sexuality. I want to be untied from my money and my time. I just want to be free in Jesus, and I want to carry out his purposes the rest of my life. What in your life needs to be untied? Maybe something that's prideful. Maybe you need to die to what's impressive. You're trying to make everybody think that you're, you're this, you're that. I get it. Man, do I get that. There's nothing better than just walking in the freedom of who you are in Christ. This donkey, the weight of the presence of Jesus. The donkey's not trying to convince God to love him more. There's nothing you can do to convince God to love you any more or any less. No striving, no convincing. Just leaning in. That's all I want to do. I, I just want to lean in. I just want to lean in and, and, and let the weight of Jesus lead me to love Linda. That no matter what you've ever experienced in your past, 
ups and downs, twists and turns, things said, things unsaid, that you would know that you are a daughter of the king, that, that, that you don't have to please me, you don't have to please anybody, you just need to be who God has created you to be. To, 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 to be dad to Emily and Katie, and to let them know that, listen, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to make everything just, just, just right. That, that you can understand that, that God loves you for who you are. He loves you in the season that you're in. That, that God will guide you and God will sustain you. I, I just want to be a person. Can we just be the kind of people that lets the weight of Jesus be on our lives and we carry out his purpose? I just want to be a pastor. Who, 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 who loves and carries and lifts and leans into, brings a scripture and a teaching each week that says, listen, that God is for you. God's not mad. He's, he, he, he loves you. What needs to be untied? What needs to be untied this morning? This Easter, a week from today, we're going to gather three different times. We've added a earlier gathering, a, a 7.30, 9, and 10.30. I, and I realize that some of you have family plans, and I'm glad for that, and you're going to have a meal together, and you're going to celebrate. I'm, I'm glad for all that. But, 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 but maybe this Easter, you need to untie your schedule, untie your family plans, untie your fear and invite become a penny in someone's life listen family is good I, 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 I'm for all of that but in the big scope of history Easter family dinner on the 4th of April will be very very small in comparison to the men and women and boys and girls who right now have no hope of Jesus but on April the 4th, because you leveraged your life, you leaned in and you invited them and they heard that Jesus loves them and they leaned into salvation and they found their home with God. And I get it. It's fearful. I've been a pastor for all these years. I'm a United States Marine. I do Ironman races. I take ice baths I'm all about discipline I'm fairly tough but yesterday at my house my pool guy comes by his name is Quentin and in my mind I'm thinking okay while he's there how do I go about to invite him to Easter my heart starts beating I don't want to say the wrong thing what's he going to say oh my goodness Every single time you lean towards bringing someone towards Jesus, I'm telling you, all hell comes against you. And so I, you know, hey, Quentin, hey, you know, uh, I never, I don't think he even knows to this day that I'm a pastor. I say, hey, my family and I, we go to Church of Hope, and we got three gatherings, 730 and 9, I'd love for you to be my guest. And then he tells me, well, I think I'm going with my girlfriend down to Palm Beach. Hey, that's okay, but hey, you know, but, but here's all I know. As last night when I pillowed my head, I know that I obeyed God. And I put a penny in his hand. If you don't know what that means, we brought a message a couple weeks ago. You can look at it online. 
whose, whose grave clothes do you need to take off this Easter? Remember that story? Lazarus, Jesus did the healing part. Jesus did the death part. Jesus did the resurrection part. But remember, there's Lazarus. He's alive. And Jesus says to the people, go take off his grave clothes. Go take all of that linen off of him. Whose linen do you need to take off? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Emily pointed us towards Jesus earlier. I, I, I can tell you, choosing Jesus isn't as complicated as we make it. Now, what Jesus did on the cross is incredibly complicated. God himself, who knows no sin, he dies on the cross so that we who are sinners can become the righteousness of God. That's incredibly complicated. I don't know how much of it I really understand. I just believe it. But right where you're sitting or online, not because of words of a pastor or a song, the Spirit of Almighty God be touching your heart. And right now he's saying, you need, you need to follow along with Mark right now. And if that's you, just have this conversation with God in your mind. Hey, God, it's me. I've sinned. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And today, I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Because you came back from the dead, I can come back. And to those who are praying that prayer in this space or online, welcome to God's family. I'd like to help you continue to grow. So in this space, if you'd fill out that Connect card, stop by, guest services, we will help you grow this is not just a moment in time. We want to help you go into a movement with Jesus for all time. Or you can text the word today to 63566. It's going to be a great week. I do want to encourage you. Wrestle with these two questions in your small groups. Wrestle with the reality. Today's, today's Palm Sunday. I do this every Easter. It's Palm Sunday, and I'm excited. But I'm willing, as I go through the week, to wrestle with, Mark David, if you were there, you would have been up front shouting, crucify him. One of the ways that I feel that weight is every year since it came out in 2004, I've watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. It is brutal. But I encourage you to watch it. It just reminds me over and over what Jesus did and what my sin required him to do. And then invite someone, come. We got three gatherings. You can see we have social distance. We're going to have a, um, the, the student center as overflow also for anybody who might want to come and, and doesn't want to be around people. Uh, that is going to be much more of a social. You can see we've, we've, we're practicing. We're still being careful. We're still being, being faithful along, along the way. It's going to be a great, great week. Lean into it. Lean into it. Struggle through it. And then I'll see you on Sunday, April 4th. And I know a little bit about what's going to happen. I've been a part of the planning process. Don't be late. Be early. Because it's starting on time. And you're not going to want to miss what happens at 7.30, at 9 o'clock, and at 
Father in heaven, bless each man and each lady. You know them. They are fearfully and creatively made as your workmanship. May they feel your presence and your power as they go through this week. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Look into our hearts. Help us to wrestle this week. Do we celebrate what you're writing in on, or is it just you, Jesus? Have we wanted you our way? And then, God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us what we've got tied up and give us the courage. We won't do this on our own. Like the Apostle Paul, we, we need to die to what's impressive so that we can obtain what's important. That's you, Jesus. I just want to know you. We love you. We celebrate what you've done in the Blanco family. We praise you. It wasn't the doctors at Duke. It wasn't even our faith. It was your almighty goodness and graciousness. But God, I also know that there's men and women who are praying. Praying from a broken heart, relationally. Grief that has continued to be weighty on their shoulders. This Easter, they will go through it without a loved one. They're not quite sure what to think and what to feel. Help them to untie. We invite your presence and your healing and your ways. Oh, how I love you. The weight of your presence is welcomed here. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Peace.